0: You know, it doesn't matter who you are or what you have. Life can be pretty damn hard, and without a healthy mind, it's even harder. Check out online therapy with BetterHelp.com and be on your way to a little more ease.
1: Hey, pull up a chair. It's Hacks on Tap with David Axelrod, Robert Gibbs, and Mike Murphy. As we look ahead, we will lead. We will lead on all the greatest challenges of our time, from COVID to climate, peace and security, human dignity and human rights, but we will not go alone. We will lead together with our allies and partners and in cooperation with all those who believe, as we do, that this is within our power to meet these challenges, to build a future that lifts all of our people and preserves this planet. That is President
2: Joe Biden making his first big United Nations speech as president. An impressive address, but that reads a lot worse than the original French. Here all week. Here all week. Who do Ouch. we have? Get me out of that disaster I just created for myself.
0: Who's our incredible guest? Who's our super hack? Our super hack. Open up the curtain. It's Jonathan Martin, the outstanding political correspondent of the New York Times and a uh, uh, really uh, a guy who could have been on our side of the fence uh, mm-hmm. as a lot of great political reporters. You'd say that about a lot of great, rep- but this is a guy with a passion for the game. J. Mark. Good to see you. Thanks for having me. It's good to have you here. It's good to be here. Now are you
1: underwater. Where are you? No, no, no. Um we are, uh, we are by the banks of the Potomac, not the banks of the Mississippi. We're, uh, okay. yeah, uh, we're in DC at the moment. A crunch time here in the nation's capital this fall. Yeah, um, yeah. So, and, so uh, yeah,
0: we should point out you spent part of your time in in uh, New Orleans. So yeah,
1: uh, my uh, wife's hometown, and we're and we're there a good bit. Um, yeah, and so. uh, thankfully did not incur any damage. Thankfully, the uh, uh, the the levees held. Uh, Uncle Sam's investment after Katrina and and, and building the levees uh, worked out well, and they withstood a a Cat for hurricane. So uh, all is well. Talk about levies.
0: Are the levies going to hold for Biden in in Washington?
1: I mean, I think this is the question is, is Biden himself going to start to really get involved into the nitty gritty of this process? Um, This is, this is a sort of hell of a high wire act that that he's on here. And so, so far, especially in the house guys, he's really kind of deferred to the leadership, uh, namely Speaker Pelosi. he has been a little bit more involved in the Senate, obviously, mansion and cinema down to the White House for, for conversations, but I'm really curious here uh, in the next week, is he going to plunge into the House uh, much more than he has to date? And the reason I mention that is because the House is for now where the action is. Totally. You know, Lucy cut this deal in August with her moderates that she would uh, bring up the bipartisan infrastructure bill that passed the Senate with 69 votes, that she brought it up by September 27th. Well, that's just here around the corner. And, you know, the question is, you know, are the votes there to pass it? And I think that's where Biden comes in.
2: Yeah, this thing is a uniquely Democratic uh, train wreck in some ways, but it's also classic House versus Senate stuff and others. I mean, Nancy Pelosi is a very effective leader for her side she's got to tell essentially a bunch of five-year-olds that Santa Claus isn't real because the $3.5 trillion thing is dead. Cinnamon Mansion, unless they're lying, which I don't believe at all, they've been pretty clear, right. the votes aren't there. So it's going to it's gonna go on a diet, and it's going to turn into the 1.8 or whatever. Right. I think it'll be definitely under yeah. 2. And the progressives, of course, who – you know what's funny about this? This thing – I'm having flashbacks to 94, 95 – When the Republicans, mostly under Newt, were running the House and they were like holding their breath and, you know, our way or the highway and getting a lot of criticism – well, if you look at the House Democratic Caucus, it's as stocked with hardcore progressives as the old Gingrich Caucus used to be with hardcore conservatives back in the 90s. So, you know, it's kind of back to the future here. And they're threatening, and I think they mean it, that they're going to blow up the infrastructure bill right. if they don't get Santa Claus. Yeah. And Santa Claus, in this tortured metaphor, you know, isn't coming. Well, so Nancy has the tough job of landing that and letting that steam out. Somehow, and it's going to be bumpy. And boy, if they screw up the infrastructure bill, that is the big win for Biden. They ought to do that fast. And I know the politics why they don't think they can, but it would give Biden a boost. It would help him get a better bill on the other side.
0: Yeah. Well, look. Um, first of all, Nancy's operating on, on the highest high wire that she's ever operated on because of yeah. the narrow margin in the House. Right. And so she doesn't have votes to spare. You say it's a Democrat only thing. One of the scenarios is that. You know, Republicans will come across and vote for the infrastructure bill. First of all, I would not want to be relying on Republican votes if I were her, uh, because if I were McCarthy, I'd make sure that she has one less vote that she needs at all times. Uh, and the, the the second thing is, if she tries to uh, move that bill forward in contravention of the wishes of progressives, it just makes uh, the whole situation um, more difficult in some ways
1: here's something to watch for though can the white house get involved with this and convince mansion and cinema to offer some kind of a signal have that, to that that yes to. That on the other side of this infrastructure vote we will support some kind of reconciliation bill maybe not three but you know not three and a half but
0: something. Yes, but, but but Manchin's already done that. Manchin's already done that. He's already said, I'm in for ma- at reconciliation, but at one, 1.5, they got to get to where those guys say, we'll accept something with a two. And, and I agree with you. That signal has to be sent.
1: And does that then give enough reassurance to the House progressives that yes, we can go ahead before the 27th or on the 27th vote for the bipartisan infrastructure bill because we know that on the other side of yeah it, we're going to we land
2: on the two deal
1: that Manchin and Cinema will vote for some yeah. s- some kind of reconciliation bill hey, just just real fast David you mentioned Pelosi's high wire act. I think this is not commonly understood, in part just because in my business, the Senate does tend to get more attention than the House because the names are better known. And especially now that cinema and mansion have become so polarized uh, in democratic politics, they're they're almost household figures for for, uh, for anybody who follows this stuff. Um, but I was gonna say Pelosi's margin effectively on reconciliation is not much different than Schumer's. By that I mean, you know, she's got a three seat majority. But in truth, she's right. going to lose probably right. two Democrats on the reconciliation bill, the most likely being Jared Golden from Maine and Kurt Schrader from Oregon. So really, her margin yeah. is <laughs> basically one. Uh, it's not three. You know?
0: This is really, really tough. Uh, you know, one thing that Manchin and Cinema though, have taught the progressives is 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 one word that is really sunk in, which is leverage. Yes. Leverage. It swings
2: both ways. That's the problem in the house where there are a lot more progressives. Anybody can be an independent operator and tank the deal here, let alone five or six of them.
0: There are things that are there. Look, there are things that she could do. She could agree to pass the infrastructure bill and hold it. You know, she has, I think, what, 45 days to send it on to the White House. But right. that also could elongate the bargaining for another 45 yes. uh, days. She could run the infrastructure bill and have it fail uh, and, you know, and then try and bring it back. But have that be a bracing thing. But that has its uh, that That's its kind risk. of an interesting game of chicken, though. Let's stop on that for a
2: minute. It Will the progressives, if the bipartisan thing is racing forward and the backdoor chat is about $2 billion, not three point five, will the progressives put a stake in Biden's heart and vote down the signature deal and give the Republicans endless, beautiful bragging rights on the, getting something actually done, going into
0: hard it. enough midterm elections? I'm not sure they will. I doubt it. I don't know it. if they're pulled the grenade pin. Yeah, but I mean, the problem, the, the question is, when do people show their cards? When do people actually? And I, I think Jay Mart's right. The uh, the uh, the first step has to be mansion and cinema showing some flexibility on the number right, uh, right. above above where uh, they are. Let me ask you a question. Just a complete aside, you guys. Uh, you know, uh, Senator Kelly is up for Mark Kelly is up for re-election in Arizona next year. He ran his whole campaign was him as an independent he's a military guy not republican not democrat he does what's best for the country and so on um does does all this sort of uh uh flamboyant activity on cinema's part how does that affect kelly in any way does it make him look somehow less independent does it make him look more like a party man does it complicate his his situation at all?
2: I think there's a risk, and remember, you know, they're all under the the ghost of John McCain brand-wise there in Arizona, who was such a towering figure in their politics. So, I think he has to be careful. My guess is privately, you know, we hear a lot from Mansion and Cinema publicly, Mansion because he's Mansion and he's primary proof or no other Dem could win. But quietly, I'll bet he's among the whispers, like Mark Warner, who's kind of sent signals that they're they're on the one point five to two train too. Uh, and at the right moment, I'll bet he speaks up to take a little credit for the quote compromise. But I, I I agree with your point.
0: I think the number is uh is important, but it actually does matter what's in it. And you know. Uh, uh, Coral Davenport, in in in, in your paper, uh, yeah. Jay Martin had a great piece the other day about Mansion and the climate change stuff. Remember, he's from West Virginia. He's very right. tied in with the coal industry, personally and politically. Uh, and uh, this climate change issue is genuinely a a a a watershed thing for uh, the progressives in the House. Uh, they think we're at a tipping point. They're all living with the reality that come 2023, we're probably looking at a Republican Congress.
1: Right. And right. so
0: they feel a sense of urgency about this, both because of climate change and the changing of the guard that's probably going to come. Uh, and so the question is, what concessions will Manchin make in that regard uh, that would be enough for them to feel like they they got what they needed?
1: Well, and this is where it gets even more dicey because- you know, we get beyond talking about the price tag and the schedule and start talking about the substance uh, and what and what what mansion could could go for, um, uh, because that could tank the whole thing, obviously. Um, yeah, you know, I, the, the climate elements, I think, are, are even more urgent now, given given recent events um, with Hurricane Ida in the aftermath. And what's striking about the climate elements is even some of the moderates in the House, uh, like Stephanie Murphy in Florida and Josh Gottheimer in New Jersey on climate they're actually not terribly far removed from where the rest of the party is now on that issue
0: they better not be, because their states just got pounded (laughs) yeah but there's one there's one weak
2: link in this chain which i think the moderates quietly resonate to which is everybody's in in that world moderate or progressive is for climate but you know if you're if you're for doing something about the climate you're not a traitor to the planet if you don't think the answer is a huge blank government check. You know, the the progressives always have the premise that well, if you want to do something about blank and all the heads not, well, great, spend a trillion dollars. And that's that's where there's some weakness with the moderates. So, you know,
0: the actual blank check policy equals right. solution. Well, and that's the issue. I mean, Mansion, there are subsidies in there for industries to convert to convert to renewable energy, you know, that is something that Manchin, that would accelerate the conversion. And that's something that Manchin is, is resisting. Yeah.
2: And he's hinted at that being on board, also sequestration of CO2 emissions, which the uh, carbon burners like. That,
0: that's like a way down the road kind of thing. It's not, I mean, the, uh, look, I, listen, man, I you can g- get out your uh, socialism shit, Murphy, but I mean, I, I'm worried about this stuff. I'm, I'm watching your st- I'm watching your state burn, J-Mart's condo in New Orleans uh, going yeah. under. Uh, yeah.
2: Yeah, yeah, I just don't think the Department of Federal Checks is always the answer. If we can move, look, you know, you want to you want to do the electric car thing? You, 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 right now, we pay people seven thousand dollars to buy electric cars, and nobody wants them. In Europe, they sell a lot more, and they also give them seven grand. What's the difference? Europe gas is three times as expensive. Now I know it's politically impossible but the a lot of the good policy stuff is if you make gas more expensive people buy more electric cars so you know but the Dems are like well, well we can't do the politics on that so vote for a program we tried to do that 10 years ago you know we yeah, that, that no yep kudos I was for it but the point is having the slogan of climate change does not guarantee effective policies and that's a right left thing we debate that all day the bottom line is the progressives do not have the power on or the votes to get everything they want. And so the question is how much pain and will they harpoon Biden who needs
0: help right now uh, on the, on the infrastructure deal? It's interesting when you start up by saying Biden needs to ankle on over to the house or have mm-hmm. them ankle on over to him. You know, I don't really ever actually, I'm sure we sent him there, but we never actually, when he was vice president, we rarely used him to influence house votes Yeah. Uh, because he's a Senator, man. Yeah. Right. Sen- senators don't demean themselves by dealing with the house
1: and you hear Um, this time and time again from house democrats that you know biden just does not have the footprint there they don't know him as well uh he really leans on um speaker pelosi and cedric richmond who of course is in his white house but served um for years from louisiana in the house and uh i think you know this is going to create a challenge for biden that he does not necessarily have the relationships over there um now that said, he's still the president. His fate—they're yeah, all in the
0: same canoe,
1: exactly—and his polling yeah, right. is, is is still going to shape the midterms. So you know uh, whether or not uh, he knows Kurt Schrader's district in Oregon doesn't necessarily matter, given that uh, you know all those guys are, are going to be depending upon him next year being above water in the polls. They've pinned
0: so much to these bills that a failure would be catastrophic. Oh
1: yes. Yeah, and
0: why why can't you guys have to uh, especially David explain democrat
2: psychology to me? Why can't they get out the blackboard in the conference and say, "Hey, we did 1.9 trillion already. You're going to get another 1.9 or 2. So you're up to 4 trillion plus a big infrastructure bill, you know, 5 trillion dollars." That's a huge win. We're spending the whole thing, including the Trump COVID money, is twice the cost of the Second World War to the government.
0: I mean, take a victory here for crying out loud. You are are talking about it as a mathematic equation. Someone else will pull out a blackboard and say, child care credit climate change initiatives bernie sanders will say if you were doing this on the senate side hey, you know uh medicare uh, uh vision, vision and, and yeah. dental and hearing which has been his uh sin for about a half a century no and, it's true particularly dental i wish he had a better <laughs>
2: dentist he has worked up about that <laughs> okay gentlemen we will be back in a minute but we have to pay a few bills You know, Axe, you're a great old friend of mine for decades, but sometimes you can get a little cranky, and you know why? You haven't been getting enough sleep. But lately, it's like you went to Dale Carnegie or something. You're either joining the Taliban leadership, (laughs) or I don't know, you found a magic secret
0: of charm. You know what that secret is? Ah. It's called Helix. I'm getting Helix sleep because Ah. I received my Helix mattress, and honest to God, I've I've slept much better uh, since I got it. Uh, I, I wake up feeling better. I'm all ready to deal with the likes of you. Uh, and it's, uh, it, it's really good. Helix Sleep has a quiz that takes just two minutes and matches your body type, mind being unique, and sleep preferences to the perfect well, you're, you're mattress for you. You're too muscular for a regular mattress. That's on, been my all problem all my life. Why would yep. you buy a mattress made for someone else? With Helix, you're getting a mattress that you know will be perfect for the way you sleep. Ax, everybody's
2: unique, and Helix knows that. So they have several different mattress models to choose from. They have soft, medium, and my favorite, firm mattresses. Mattress is great for cooling you down if you sleep hot. Mattress is great for spinal alignment. Oh, tell me more to prevent morning aches and pains, and even a Helix Plus mattress for uh, hmm, plus
0: size sleepers. Bottom line, Ax really uses and loves this mattress. Yeah. So I took yeah I took the Helix quiz, and I was matched with the uh, media mattress because I wanted something that felt about between soft and firm. And I sleep on my uh, side a lot and I move around a lot at night. I'll tell you something, it is not only good for me, but my wife over on the other side of the bed is happy with her uh, mattress and happy not to be bothered by me jumping around all the time. Especially when you wake up and start screaming Obamacare and those fever dreams. No, I'm sorry. <laughs> don't share your experiences. But <laughs> I sleep soundly because of Obamacare. So if you're looking for a mattress, you take the quiz, you order the mattress that you're matched to, and the mattress comes right to your door, shipped for free. You don't even need to go to the mattress store again. So Helix is awesome. Maybe you don't take it from us. Murphy's not the most credible guy in the world, but Helix was awarded the number one best overall mattress pick of 2020 and by GQ and Wired Magazine. As you can tell, my partner and friend loves his Helix mattress,
2: so check it out. Do what David Axelrod did. Go to helixsleep.com hacks. Take that two-minute sleep quiz so they dial you in, and they'll match you to a customized mattress that'll give you, like David's getting, the best sleep of your life.
0: I think I should say they have a 10-year warranty, and you get to try it out for 100 nights risk-free. They'll even pick it up for you if you don't love it. But trust me, you will. Helix even has financing options and flexible payment plans. So a great night's sleep is never far away. Helix is offering up to $200 off wow. all mattress orders and two free pillows for our listeners at helixsleep.com hacks. Check it out. He loves his Helix
2: mattress. Check it out. Helixsleep.com hacks. How about this? We all know from campaigns that you never give voters, ask them to answer a question with an essay. You give them multiple choice. Hey, do you want $2
0: trillion or or you want to sink Biden? They've got to force that gauntlet. At the end of the day, and apparently Pelosi gave them this lecture today, they either hang together or hang separately. Right. (laughs) And uh, if they don't pass this bill... If they don't pass these bills, uh, they're going to be uh, naked and alone out there in twenty twenty two. They won't have anything to run. And Biden's numbers, as is, is jMar I mean, the biggest predictor of midterm performance is the president's right. approval rating. If if uh, if his approval rating is in the toilet, they're going right down the drain with him.
2: Yep, and they were in trouble before his numbers collapsed, just
0: based on the nature of the House midterms. Now,
2: Senate looks a little better, I think, but uh, May- yeah, maybe. But if if Biden tanks, the
1: Senate doesn't. And by the way, guys, the the early warning sign in my home state in Virginia, which you know is yes. going to have an election, is going to have an election the first Tuesday in November this year, and already b- Biden's numbers have fallen. I've seen uh, public and private polling that has him at or below fifty percent in Virginia approval ratings, and that that's going to create real challenges for Terry McAuliffe, who you know in yeah. an increasingly blue state is kind of playing a home game. He is the slight favorite in the race. But again, uh, his fate is going to depend upon can Biden stabilize between now and election day.
0: Or yeah, he is. has all the advantages and disadvantages of an incumbent, even though he's not the incumbent. Absolutely. And uh, and yeah, no, that everybody's going to be looking at that. Well, one of the things that may save him, and I wanted to add, you know, Jaymar, you were out in California. We, yeah. we chewed this over already uh, on the podcast. But one thing that interested me were the implications of, the second part of that ballot where larry elder the, this right wing talk show host and trump uh, acolyte got a 47% of the vote among 46 candidates and you know he's a um, came to embracing the big lie no masking no mandated vaccinations and he became an incredible foil for gavin newsom and the, and the democrats and it struck me that this is sort of the box that republicans are in because, you know, you need a certain level of crazy to succeed and you have to be tied to Trump and then you have to face a general election. Yeah. No, look, when your primary is
2: designed to lose the general, it is a real battle of the incentives, you know, but on the elder thing, it, he did, but remember, Gavin's whole deal was don't vote in the second election. It wasn't like the Arnold race I did, where you know you right. had Cruz Bustamante, lieutenant governor, running as the insurance candidate. Uh, understood. It's all relative, though, relative to
0: everyone else who was running. He did. Yeah, very he was well. the
2: only guy in town, including a former mayor of San Diego, who was the the, the was the Republican candidate who could have done well. And Elder beat him, I think, close to two to one, even in San Diego county. So the, your your point is that the base of the Republican Party is in its own kind of 72 McGovern Democrat bubble, where they're not in the uh,
0: nominating... There are a lot of 72 McGovern Democrats who would resent the analogy. <laughs> okay. I, I It's too early. They're all still high but um, <laughs> from last
2: night. But uh, po- point taken. Although I will... Let me do one point of media criticism here. I have to say, Watching all the hysteria about the California recall uh, in the media, desperately trying to find a national message, it was like doing a deep dive on a Harlem Globetrotters game. You know, the Washington Generals seemed to have changed their play. It was always in the bag. This state is three and a half million more registered Democrats than there were when Arnold ran and only 20,000 more Republicans. Right. And it was hard enough back then.
0: Partisanizing the race from the beginning was the right thing to do it was the obvious thing to do the way they played the whole pandemic issue i thought was pretty artful yeah Yeah. Uh, no
2: i agree and they ran up the number more than i thought they would i always thought they'd win said it here but he also every time the pandemic peaked that's when his numbers would dip and, you know, as our numbers here in California are pretty good now, and as we came back, there's the recall. I mean, it's interesting that Gretchen Whitmer, DeSantis, two months ago, Gavin, every governor sitting on the, the Delta variant hot seat had their numbers drop. And, but I think they did manage it well. And, of course, they changed the subject of the election to vote Democrat, not are you mad at Governor Newsom. Okay, then let's take a break right here, and we'll be right back. You know, Axe, these are tough times. The country is divided. Families are unfollowing each other. News fills every minute of our day, and sometimes it'll
0: just give you a headache. So the last thing that anyone wants to talk about at the dinner table, car or home insurance. Oh, God. What's your experience been, Mike Well, you know,
2: everything's 900 pages long. You got to go to Harvard Law to figure out the loopholes. It's overcomplicated. And let's, let's admit it. It's not like reading a thriller novel, okay? It's tough.
0: Yeah, well, let me give you a solution of a different stripe. That's where the zebra comes in. The zebra, they're insurance experts, so you don't have to be. The zebra compares home and auto quotes from every major insurance company side by side. It's the fastest way to get the right coverage at the right price all from a provider you can trust. In fact, the zebra saves people
2: an average of $922 a year on home and auto combined. And they do it all in under five minutes so you can get back to talking politics, arguing for
0: your friends or anything you want to do. Fantastic. As you said, all of us have had that horrific experience of trying to sort through piles of insurance information. The Zebra makes it easy. So talk to the insurance experts, compare quotes for free, and start saving at thezebra.com slash hacks. That's right. Hoof on over to
2: thezebra.comslash slash hacks and start saving a lot of money on insurance.
0: The whole reason I brought this up, though, it, and the elder thing is you broke the story, uh, Jay mart uh, uh, Representative Gonzalez in Ohio yeah. quit. Mm-hmm. He was one of the 10 who voted against uh, Trump. Uh, yeah. He said it was because he didn't want to put himself through a miserable campaign. He said he thought he could win. But that's not the message that people were going to take away from that. The message they were going to take away from that is this is Trump's party. yeah, And, and he's going to run everybody out who he uh,
1: has a beef with. Yeah. And look, there is now a years long tradition of Republican lawmakers voting with their feet. Um, if they don't like Trump and Trumpism, they, they split. They, uh, <laughs> they, they don't run again. They retire. They quit. Um, we've seen this so many times now, uh, in the House and the Senate, uh, going back to, uh, 20, 2016. Um, then this is sort of one more example of that they don't like it. But, you know, what I say and what I ask Gonzalez is, isn't this just going to make the party Trumpier if folks like you don't stay and try and fight it? And I, they kind of acknowledge that individually, but but collectively that clearly uh, is the effect that this is, this is a Trumpier party. It, it's almost like, um, you know, every time you, you, it seems like the Republicans are going to have an advantage going into the midterms because Democrats obviously have taken a hit that There is something that comes up to sort of, you know, keep this thing somewhat more competitive. And certainly Trump and his hold on the party does give Democrats at least a glimmer of hope going into the midterms next year. And I think that, Mike, is where there is something to take away from California. If you just pound Trump, Trump, Trump and, you know, polarize a race and sort of make it about Trump the best you can, at least in blue states and perhaps purple states, that's going to make this. More interesting, it is
2: particularly in lean blue places, it's still a weapon, and Trump does everything he can to make it worse. I'm heartbroken over Gonzalez, that was one of my favorite primaries because many of us in the anti Trump Republican world were saying, All right. The truth is, we've got a chance to win a bunch of these Trump referendum primaries. And in many ways, his was the best. You still believe that? Oh, look, I I still think a bunch of them can win. But that was the marquee race. Liz Cheney, if they can coalesce around her new Trump-endorsed primary opponent, will have a tough race. On plurality, she can win. I think Jamie Herrera-Butler in Washington State is very formidable. Uh, you know, they're after her. Catco, it's New York. He's got that thing so well wired. He might not even have a primary challenger. So there are hopes. But we needed a good media friendly race in a semi blue collar area in northern Ohio against a, a Trump White House staffer who would run a lunatic but credible campaign. The Gonzalez race was perfect. And I I, I know those guys. And I, I had a fairly good degree of confidence that he could have pulled it off.
0: But your old buddy Fred Upton has, now has a Looney bird. Yeah, you should opponent. see that
2: guy. He's literally like got a hanger in the suit in the, in the assembly when he walks around. Forgets to take it out of the blazer. He's going to go Jim <laughs> Jordan and, and, and go around with his shirt rolled up like a boat salesman now. Um, but bottom line is Fred has to is he's going to run again. Yeah, That'll be say. a battle. The Gonzalez race could have been marquee in a good way. But I'll tell you, there's there was a subtext in what, what Anthony said, which I thought came through well in your article. It's I think he thinks he could have r- run. He didn't really like having cops have to pick his family up at the airport. You know, the yeah. death threats to members of Congress are, have more than doubled in the first three months of this year. And then finally, he kind of tipped at what I hear from a ton of these guys which is it is no fun to be in the Republican conference if you're a patriot like uh, Anthony Gonzalez. you got the Matt Gateses running around, the Jim Jordans, you get dirty looks in the hall. It is a lonely place for patriots now, which is a heartbreaking indictment of the party.
0: There, there's another element of all this. You know, I forget which poll this week or last week had up to 78 percent now of Republicans who uh, said that they thought the last election was fraudulent in some way. I was uh, with Tony Fabrizio yesterday, who's a fellow at my Institute of Politics this quarter, and uh, who's Trump's pollster. And uh, Tony told a group that it would be hard to win a competitive GOP primary in 2022, unless at least you, you, you at least tacitly agree with the notion that something was not kosher about the last election. That's like table stakes In his interpretation. Murphy, it's your world. You may have a different view. Uh, But that's really, that's really uh, disturbing, man.
2: No, in the short term, that's the reality. The politics is dynamic stuff changes. What's interesting about this whole stole the election mantra to me is for 30 years in politics, I've been hearing Republican partisans and frankly, Democratic partisans saying among themselves, oh, those Republicans cheat. Bush stole the election in Florida and Michigan was always like, you know, Detroit, you know what they do down there. That was always kind of like folklore in the party. But people accepted it in terms of they they would mutter those things, but they'd accept the outcome. Trump's the one who took it from the whispering of the both sides doubting the other's decency, the hardcore activists in both sides, to making it a campaign slogan. It opened the floodgates. So now it's an approved thing. You can say it and believe it, and as Tony pointed out, it's a litmus test of which tribe you're in. If you right. don't agree the other tribe is evil and they cheat, then you, don't, you shouldn't lead the tribe. And, you know, it's poison, but it is out there. The question is, can we evolve away from it? And the question is, how many races do the Republicans want to lose? I worry that we're going to win the midterms despite the fact we're always trying to lose with Trump. The Democrats are also always trying to lose with their progressives. It's kind of a fair fight of who can lose more. But there's just built-in stuff in the House that, you know, a box of right. hammers with an R on it, can, we can probably pick up enough seats to win. And Trump will get a big award, and the media will write, Trump is back, his message works, you know, and that
0: will reinforce it. Where you're going to feel it is more uh, potentially in Senate races. Uh, you uh, know, I grew in Philly. In Pennsylvania. yeah. yeah. Could be a really bad candidate who wins the primary because Trump is behind him. And there may be other instances of this. We all remember 2010. Well, same with Fetterman, though, that Dems
2: have a great primary going on. Connor Lamb, who's the kind of guy who would win that state, Congressman, versus a really charismatic, kind of pro wrestling looking yeah, Jesse Ventura type, guy. You know. Yeah, yeah, this is Lieutenant Governor Fetterman. And, you know, I know the Connor Lamb people are, let's put it this way, they don't think this primary is going to be an easy lift. No.
1: No, David, nothing keeps Mitch McConnell up at night more than nightmares of the 2010 and 2012 cycle, Uh, especially 2010, because you had an otherwise historic year for the Republican Party. They gained more House seats that year than they had uh, in over half a a century. But because they had flawed candidates as their nominees in the Senate races, um, they were not able to take back the Senate in 2010. And not able to beat Harry Reid himself, uh, the Senate majority leader, because they had a flawed nominee in a race that otherwise should have been uh, uh, not a layup, but something close to a very short (laughs) time in Nevada.
0: And the witch in in Delaware. In Delaware. No, absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) I forgot the
2: witch. Yeah. Yeah. Boy, boy. Trump's probably going to buy her broom on eBay.
1: (laughs) My castle would have walked that seat
0: longtime moderate yep. house member
1: yep. would have been a senator for, for you know for a long time after that right right
0: chris coons ended up being the beneficiary he sure did when we think midterms i think one thing that is starting to work
2: for biden in the big picture in some individual places it's not which is mass politics he's finally gone on offense which is basically, hey, knuckleheads, wear a mask, get vaccinated, you know, and is putting the whip of federal contract and other things. And it's a winner. I mean, the polling number shows that among, among, uh, among his voters it's a winner. Yeah. But among marginal, almost there to Biden voters in play, there's a solid 60% that is on his side of those. You see th- a Fox News poll this week on this?
0: Yeah, yeah, 67% exactly. of respondents uh, said they support mandatory mask wearing. Uh, for students and teachers, sixty-six percent also saying businesses. You yeah, ought to go all coverage. in and
2: sharpen it more yeah. the merrier because the fight is picked and it's it's a winner. Well, I think
0: that's another lesson of uh, of California.
2: All right, let's take a minute to hear from one of our esteemed sponsors. Friends, let me tell you about one of our great sponsors here, one of my very favorites, which, of course, is ExpressVPN. What is ExpressVPN? Well, it is a lot of good things. It adds security to your Internet connection if you're in an airport or just about anywhere. But what I love ExpressVPN for is it gives me the ability, like an international man of mystery, to change where the Internet thinks I am geographically. Now, why, you ask, What I care about that? Well, because I like foreign TV, or I like seeing American television, or movies before they're released to the streamers here. Well, how do I do that well, with ExpressVPN? I can dial in Germany, France, the UK, and watch local. Well, I'm probably not supposed to mention the firm, but it rhymes with bat clicks. Yes, that's right. Like right now, I'm watching a uh, Timothy Spall, who's a character actor I like, is in uh, something called Summer of Rockets. And how do I watch it? Because I don't live in the UK. Well, Netflix thinks I do because I just do two clicks on my ExpressVPN. It's really cool, and you can choose from over a hundred different countries. So if you're into Japanese Netflix and anime or Doctor Who in the UK, all sorts of great opportunities for the modern TV junkie. And best thing, it works with any streaming service. Hulu, BBC, iPlayer, YouTube, you name it. You can also stream in HD. You got that big plasma, you want the good picture? Well ExpressVPN will pull that off with no buffering or lag. It's compatible with all your devices phones, laptops, media, consoles, smart TVs, everything. Not only does it let you change your location, it also encrypts your data and lets you surf the web safely and anonymously. No way for Gibbs and x to read my secret Republican email. So check it out. Go to expressvpn.com slash hacksontap to get an extra. Get this. Three months of ExpressVPN for free. ExpressVPN. V for Victor. P for peanut. And dot com slash hacksontap.
0: I want to ask a question that'll piss off a lot of Francophiles. And I know we have many listening.
2: Okay, that includes me, mon ami, so go ahead. Does
0: anybody give a shit that the French are pissed at at, at Biden? Well, you mean
2: anybody in the Walmart parking lot, so to speak. I mean anybody who,
0: who decides American elections. Like, is this a... I mean, you, there are two ways this go. People say, you know what? He did what was in the national interest. I don't care if the French are pissed. Uh, uh, or it could be... Man, he seems to be, you know, screwing up a lot, you know, screwing up these relations. I'm sort of of a mind that this is not going to be issues one, two, three, four, five, six, or seven, or maybe issues one through a hundred.
2: Yeah, I think at the kitchen table outside of South Manchester and a few other places, uh, no, I I don't think. In fact, there's always cheap heat and trashing the French, without whom we'd all be serving under an English king right now. But um, the, the problem is the narrative. Biden ran as the wise old Metternich of foreign policy. You know, Mr. Competent, after the Trump clown show, Joe's going to rebuild Europe. And since then, it has been stumble city. That you can argue in the big picture he did the right thing in Afghanistan, but in the small picture it was a clown show with the one bright ray being the incredible airlift capacity of our armed forces. Then we do a smart deal to, to, uh, to yeah. tool up the Australians to counterbalance China, but Really, we didn't know how to handle the French on this. We didn't have a plan for it, key NATO ally. Now the French might start not showing up at NATO. Um, They have all kinds of trouble to make with China. And it was so gratuitous and so clumsy that it was an amateur-hour Trump-type move. I mean, did they not have a meeting where they said, all right, we're screwing the French out of the biggest arms deal they've ever had, Let's back channel and work out. And by the way, let's invite him into the naval alliance we're building with the Brits and the Australians because the French have two million citizens in the Pacific and the biggest Navy in, in uh, Europe. So, you know, yeah, it might cost some money. We might have to buy a couple of French helicopter carriers, but net net, it could have been a huge double win. Instead, the narrative is Biden's a stumble bum in foreign
0: policy, which is bad for Biden. Well, that's the question, uh, J. Mart, does it does this shit matter to anybody? I mean, it matters to policymakers, but to voters.
1: Uh, No, I'm skeptical that uh, the French being upset with us as a discreet issue is going to cut any ice. I do think that it it adds one more fairly small rock to Biden's backpack of issues, which is to say it's just more more bad clips. (laughs) It's not been a good stretch here for the president. And that's that's true. He needs to find a victory.
2: There's one footnote because I agree on the voter politics. Just one quick thing. If a couple of guys in the Taliban decide to in a morning meeting, they can be all over the papers in 12 hours. And Biden owns that, whether it's fair or not. Yeah. And so still that's the only thing hanging out there, I think. If Al-Qaeda's back in business and Biden's throwing cruise yeah, missiles yeah. into Afghanistan, then it'll break through the voter world.
0: Yeah, yeah, I agree with that, and I and I'm look, I, I'm not arguing that these things don't have meaning, and uh, I hear everything you're saying. I, I guess if I were sitting in the White House, I would actually uh, try and turn this around and say, yeah, he he pissed off the French because he did something that was in. Uh, our national interest that was really important and hard to do. He yeah he he pissed off people uh, some people uh, who were inv- invested in Afghanistan by leaving Afghanistan and it was hard and it, and I I think they do have to acknowledge it didn't go exactly as planned and th- that was uh, troubling. Uh, but uh, he made big hard decisions and that's what presidents should do. I mean that's the way I would play the thing.
2: Yeah, I would and back channel again. I'd be you know, working out a deal, which they should have worked out before. But let me let me ask Jonathan, I'm curious, because you're fair minded on this. If Donald Trump had woke up one day and said, hey, I'm going to screw our NATO ally, the French, and I'm going (laughs) to give nuclear powered subs for the first time in American history to another country, the Australians, wouldn't the media narrative have been nuclear madman Trump blows up NATO pushes us closer to brink of war with China?
1: Oh, I think there certainly would have been skeptical coverage about Trump, <laughs> Trump alienating I think it would have been hysterical our, uh alienating our our European allies, and especially if the French had uh recalled their ambassador as they did here last week, which that's never a, happened before There's no question about it yeah. yeah
2: MSNBC would do in maps of coming war with France, you know, a couple of old generals on talking about it, mad mad Trump, anyway, not you know how I feel about Trump, but i I do think that one thing biden is going for him is that he gets a longer leash on this kind of stuff.
0: Mart, there was a uh, there were some stories this week about pence stirrings, putting an organization together, h- hiring people. Chris Christie's got a book coming out. He went and spoke at the Reagan Library. We talked about this last week on the podcast. Uh, what what are these guys what are these guys thinking?
1: see how the wind's blowing right I, mean, I think that nobody knows what the republican landscape is going to look like in a year and a half in two years and i think their theory of the case is let's just ride this thing out and if this is still a trump dominated party if in a split field he's clearly going to be the plurality leader or or better And that's that. But like, you know, maybe not. This is a point that Anthony Gonzalez made to me. and He was pretty emphatic about it. I I, I don't think he's wrong. That Trump clearly is the dominant figure in the Republican Party today. But a lot of the Trump is the party leader coverage misses that there is more of a mixed opinion over whether or not Trump should be the nominee in 24. I think it's important to separate those two issues. Yeah, totally. If you look at polling data and where the question is asked, do you want Trump to be the nominee in 24? It's much more of a 50 50 proposition among Republicans. So there are, I think, what I call a sort of segment of gold watch GOP voters right. who like Trump are always going to defend him and blame the media. But they don't want him to run again. They want to give him a gold watch and say thank you for your service. But Trump—that's totally right. Enjoy They're, the prime yeah. rib, at Mar-a-Lago, Right.
2: The right. largest chunk, and if you really split up the not just primary high turnout voters, which is a little more Trumpy, but people who habitually vote Republican general elections, the biggest single chunk of plurality is don't trash him, don't sound like a Democrat, right. but we we could try something else going forward. Yeah, and uh, that, that's
1: where the energy is. This is about tomorrow, not yesterday. You can see that the sort of talking points right now. But guys, if Trump has got a half dozen candidates against him in the field in 24, you're back to 16 because he's just a plurality winner, you know? On
0: the other hand, if Trump doesn't run for some reason, then you're going to have a whole bunch of Trump wannabes. And there may be a play for someone who tries to coalesce the, yes. that other... So, and I think that's what Christie's thinking.
2: Tastes feeling less crazy. You know, there, there, there's some room to move there, and there, that's going to be interesting watching them all try to find it. What, what Christie was thinking, I believe, is I'm in Palookaville. I'm dead. I don't have a big base. I don't have a big money base. I'm good on my feet, and I can get media attention. So I can wait around and try to break through from nowhere. Or... I can put on the zebra costume now and stand out early and at least get back in the media thing and have something to fight for. Even long term, it might be a small hand. And so better to be somebody than nobody. And by flipping on Trump in a cynical way, he made him somebody, at least right now. And maybe he can stake a claim, though I think ultimately it's not going to work for him. But what the hell else was he going to do? Because the Christie of two weeks ago without (laughs) these moves was
0: nowhere. What the hell else he's going to do is is something else. Not everybody has to run for president. Well, you know, but it's a pathology they all have. You know, what? The country without me running it? What was the thing that James Carville once said? It's like sex, you don't just do it once and forget about it. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so, uh, I, I'm uh, thinking of running. I've got my slogan, eliminate the middleman. Hey,
2: I think it's mailbag time. <laughs> all right. Okay, Hackeroos, if you have a question for the vaunted mailbag, just send it to us at hacksontap at gmail.com, hacksontap at gmail.com, and while you are typing, don't forget to subscribe to the Gibbs and Murphy Hacks on Tap twice a week free newsletter, hacksontap.bulletin.com. Sign up and you get a lot of what you get on the podcast and a lot more from me and brother Gibbs. Check it out free twice a week, hacksontap.bulletin.com. All right. Dr. Axelrod from Frank. In some states, like Pennsylvania, some Republicans and many independent voters rejected Trump, but voted to re-elect their Republican state legislators. If the Supreme Court allows the state legislatures to criminalize abortion, will this be the issue that will push these same voters to take the next step and reject the pro-Trump, anti-abortion Republican Party, particularly important in Philadelphia because key open seat Senate race there with Senator Pat Toomey retiring. And it's probably the best chance for the D's to pick up a decisive Senate seat.
0: What say you? I say, uh, let me be frank with you, Frank. (laughs) <laughs> oh, big groan across America. Give it a minute. All I'm right. going to slightly repurpose your question. I think the answer is yes. I think that there are real ramifications. I think there already are ramifications uh, from what Texas has done. Uh, I think they'll be greater if the Supreme Court uh, uh, embrace embraces uh, that position and, and uh, essentially does away with Roe uh, Ro versus Wade and uh, adopts. Uh, or embraces a law close to what Texas or Mississippi have, uh, have passed. Uh, but I, I think this is part of a larger package. You know, I, I think that, um, that, uh, it's not just Trump. It's not just, uh, the, uh, virus and how people, uh, how various Republicans are handling the virus. It's a whole package of things that says, this is an uncomfortable place to be. If you're an independent voter, if you're a moderate voter, these guys have gone over the deep, off the deep end. I think the abortion issue will, will galvanize a lot of uh, independent voters and a lot of women. Yes. But I also think that if Democrats are going to succeed in 2022, they need to paint the picture of what life with the Republicans, uh, w- w- with these Republicans would be like. And this will be part of that mix. Yeah, I can guarantee you that Mitch McConnell does not
2: wake up every day saying, wow, I really want a real big abortion war in the Philly right. suburbs or New Hampshire or some of my other target uh, Senate pickup states.
0: Yes. Frank, it will be big. If if that happens in uh, next spring, if that's what the Supreme Court does, there will be political ramifications of it for Republicans.
1: J-Mart, you have a dissenting view? No. Look, I mean, I think, uh, again, I mean, not to focus on – um, uh, the Commonwealth too much. Uh, but, uh, I will say that I'm watching this closely in Virginia. Uh, my colleague, Trip Gabriel had a story from Virginia beach the other day about th- this topic and the, the abortion issue animate, uh, women in Virginia. Uh, I think that's important.
0: Yeah. And if I'm, if I'm uh, McAuliffe, I'm taking that, I'm taking the vaccines. I'm making sure that this is a choice Obviously, Trump as well, his opponent is, is, is a supporter of the president, but I'm painting a very scary picture of life with of life with these guys. They've
2: been a little late to do that, but uh, we'll see if Terry can rally there.
1: And just real fast, I, I think anything to make 2022 more of a choice election, you know, frankly, yes. um, and less of a referendum on Biden and sort of Democrats. I mean, Absolutely. I think that's going to be favorable for, for the end party. It is the only
0: way to blunt what I, I think could be a bad, a very bad year for Democrats. All right, Murphy, a couple of months ago, you mentioned you still liked Liz Cheney's chances at winning re-election because of the large primary field and the fact that a plurality and not a majority is needed to secure the nomination. Now that Trump has endorsed Harriet Hageman and several Republican challengers have dropped out, are you still optimistic about her chances? Well, I think I
2: was talking about Mary Cheney. So, uh, <laughs> no, no. I, I think Liz Cheney is strong in a plurality but in real danger in a in a two-way race. The Trump guys are trying to make it a two-way race with Hageman. Uh, I don't think Hageman is a particularly strong candidate, but there needs to be another place for some anti-Cheney vote to go. And politics is entrepreneurial, so I'm not sure the shutdown uh, of the other candidates will hold. We, we will see if Hageman stumbles— which is quite possible. I don't think she's a particularly strong candidate. Then we could get back in the plurality business. But a two-way race is exactly what Cheney doesn't want or need.
0: Right. And this is why, of course, the uh, the, the Trump forces tried to get the Wyoming legislature to adopt a runoff right, exactly. uh, provision. And they and Cheney they beat that back by one yeah. vote in the state senate yeah. there. Right. Exactly. Jonathan Martin. Yes, sir. A guy named John but he spells it wrong with an H. Yes. Odds seem stacked towards ours taking the House after 2022, but with such thin margins, is there a scenario where ours take a narrow majority but a few, Cheney, Kinzinger, if he survives redistricting, which, by the way, I don't think he will, being from Illinois, vote with Ds to make a D speaker, giving their repeated statements that McCarthy isn't fit to be speaker and Trumpist can't be trusted to run the show.
1: Yeah. Uh, what say you? Yeah, look, uh, I think uh, Kevin McCarthy would be much safer if he has a, a majority of over 10. Right. If this is a tougher than expected election and some of his uh, internal critics do hang on, uh, they only gain, you know, six, seven seats. Then this is going to be a really white knuckle ride for McCarthy to get the votes. I think if he's over 10 he's in a lot better shape look it's just tough not to give the speakership to your leader after you claim the majority
0: what if they substituted an R for the D and most and all and I don't know if you could get the Democrat caucus to go along with that but and the say it was a like like of uh, the aforementioned Fred Upton of Michigan who's yeah. been there for
1: a long time no uh, I know well this is like this is like the um the sort of political hobbyist fantasy here right of uh that's what we do here yeah the the narrow the the, the very narrow Republican majority but a uh, McCarthy just can't find the vote so who's the compromise candidate? Well it's the you know like 30 year veteran waiting in the wings who can satisfy uh, the middle and both parties. I think it's unlikely to put it mildly uh, but I, you know these days you never say never so and often would be somebody who you can sort of see fitting that role. I, I would also mention Tom Cole as somebody else you can see mm-hmm. as being acceptable Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. to the Democrats as well. He used to be in your business. Yeah, exactly.
0: Yes, yes. Hey, uh, on this subject, I've heard a theory swirling around that uh, Trump will George P. Bush McCarthy, that at the yeah. end of the day, he'll allow him to be a supplicant for the duration of this period, and then at the time, he'll give him a hearty handshake and endorse someone else for something, right. which would really
1: kind of be fun to see. It's possible. And obviously Trump does, does have a record of uh, not exactly always being loyal to those who are loyal to him, to put it mildly. But that said, and not to sort of uh, rain on that fantasy, uh, but who would be the alternative, right? right? Would Jim Jordan even want that job? Would be, who's the kind of pro-Trump figure in the House who wants the burden, right?
0: What about Elise Stefanik?
1: Yeah, potentially, if she wants that, if she wants that job, I think it's very difficult to sort of have that that position. I mean, there's a reason why Boehner or Ryan uh, did not. <laughs> last yeah,
0: I know, very, but both, long, they all you know? took the job, didn't they?
1: They sure did. It's
0: hard to turn down Speaker of the House. That's it really a, is. That's a pretty big uh, position. This is all sort of fantasy football, type, a little bit, a little bit uh, yeah. type that's okay, speculation. Though. No, that's no, okay. it, no, it's good. Now, are you allowed to talk about your book?
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. I'm I'm working on a book with my colleague Alex Burns at The Times. The short version is this is a a political history of 20 and 21. You know, we hope it's going to be kind of the first comprehensive account of this period of extraordinary tumult in American politics. And we spent a lot of time talking to figures in both parties and. Um, uh, we think we have a, a really, really good, good read coming out uh, next year. So we're, we're excited about that. Simon & Schuster, is the publisher, uh, it's myself and Alex Burns. Keep an eye out for it next year at bookstores across America. Excellent. More to come. More to come.
2: Jonathan, thank you, Axe. Always great to talk to you. I'm off to Paris for consultations, but uh, look forward to being back on Hack soon. Okay, brother. Thank you.
0: Good to be with you. Yes, sir. Talk to you soon. Thank you. See you.